0: Welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share practical, tactical advice, and some inspiration on how they arrived at career satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, We're breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch the Sunday blues. Welcome to the No More Mondays movement. Hello and welcome to No More Mondays. I am your host, Angie Callen. Where are all my salespeople at? How about my entrepreneurs? Get ready because you're about to take a big old drink off of the, oh, that's how I do lead generation fire hose as we welcome... Adam P. Smith to the show. No, his name is not Michael. It's always, you got to love when you get an inside joke three seconds in and your listeners are like, I don't know what they're talking about, but at least they're laughing. Adam started his career in a mortgage origination where he has carved out expertise in lead gen, client retention, and referrals through prospecting and zero cost marketing. He's an author, he's a coach, and he is the most amazingly sarcastic Colorado native I've ever met. I am not quite sure how he is not an East Coaster. So here to banter with me while educating you all on the ins and outs of really good Legion. help me welcome to the show, Adam Smith.
1: There's no applause track?
0: Uh, we'll add one in. Yay. Or should right. we make one?
1: All right. <laughs> there it is. Cool. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Jim.
0: As uh, you know, so by the way, if everyone would like to know, since since Jim interjected, which he's not supposed to do, he's supposed to be the man behind the curtain. But don't let him think he's as special as Oz. He called Adam Michael as we were getting ready and Adam didn't even pick up on it. And I was waiting for you to like shame Jim into it. And then Jim was like, I just called you Michael. So that's why I had to just kind of we were laughing about it. And hey, why not kick us off with some fun? So
1: I I should have just uh Let it slide and said, oh, I'm glad you caught it and apologized before I gave you shit about it.
0: Yeah, that that would have also maybe happened,
1: but slow on my feet this morning.
0: It's okay, We won't fault you for it. But uh, as we get into something more productive that everyone out there will understand, instead of just going, what the heck am I listening to right now? (laughs) I am going to start this conversation with everybody's favorite kickoff to a conversation starter. Adam, tell us all about you.
1: Ooh, all about me. Well, as you had mentioned, I do uh, all the things. Uh, we have a little coaching company, just the tips, and we really do focus on that these tiny little bite sized pieces that you can implement and get traction with and so on and so forth. But yes, we do have a weekly podcast. We uh, do have a weekly video blog, the weekly little tip. Uh, I have published a book on the subject uh, by the same name, Just the Tips. I am working on another book, Let's Go Deeper, which will be a little more in-depth (laughs) which will be a little more in-depth as far as breaking down some systems, how to really take advantage of the tools you already have and that you're already paying for, whether that's your phone system or your email or your social media, whatever the case may be. And yeah, we just kind of do all the things. We coach our clients in a pretty unique manner. We have a very set amount of content. Most of the people that coach in my space really will just continue to coach people for as long as they want to be coached or as long as they'll pay to be coached. And our program is very different. We have a very set amount of content and when we're done, we're done. Go away, go, uh, go implement, go find another coach, so on and so forth. Yeah. Go use it. Right. Please do the things.
0: I think that's a really great, just hadn't even planned on talking about this aside, but it brings up this just very good, like practical piece of advice that. You can pay for coaching or advisory or whatever you want it to be forever, and you can pay for lots of them all at once. But advice is only so good as the implementation that comes out of it. And if you overconsume that kind of stuff, you're never actually going to go use anything you learn.
1: Oh, you just described the number one problem in a lot of this stuff, like uh, sales conferences, right? How many people go, get great ideas, take pages and pages full of notes, and then never implement any of it?
0: Three things. So this is why this this concept of of just the tips and also there's an entirely different conversation we could have here about amazing branding and how you name everything very brand aligned to the overall concept considering the second book's title but we try to maintain maybe a PG rating around here so I'll do um, my best. I think that's what's just really interesting about this idea of like small bits and small tips that you can implement that become almost we hear that buzzword habit stacking and things like that. But it's not trying to drink off the fire hose and then go do it all, all in one fell swoop.
1: Well, and that's another piece of the puzzle in our coaching program is that I've basically amassed a 20 year career of lead gen, And mortgage origination and working with other originators and real estate agents and other salespeople that have a direct-to-consumer high-end ticket kind of gig. Houses, mortgages, cars, insurance, financial planning, et cetera. And you're never going to implement everything that I'm going to show you over the course of the program, which in theory is supposed to be a year most people need a little longer than that just to get through the content but we record all of our coaching sessions so that people can go back and watch them the bottom line is that i've had literally decades to learn and implement and we do still come across people that are like well i didn't get that done this week I'm like don't worry about it, you're not going to. When you're ready to go back and watch the coaching session that we did on that subject and either implement it or hire somebody to implement it, a virtual assistant, an actual assistant, whatever the case may be, but we literally catch people like a deer in the headlights trying to force feed them, and you keep using this fire hose uh, analogy, which is true, all of this content and a lot of them still panic over the fact that I can't get this all implemented in a year. and. Don't. You're never going to be able to. Don't try. If you could do it in three to five, I'd be impressed. And bear in mind that it took me decades to put it all together.
0: So you bring up the sales conference example. Just here's a tip. I said three things. You take three takeaways and implement those. And that way you have prioritized what you've learned or in a in the first phase of a course or program like you have. But I want to kind of take a step back here and get almost more context of where just the tips coaching really came from. And I know you had a lot of success in, a, in an industry, the mortgage industry, that's, I think, really competitive and you have to be really entrepreneurial. And you found kind of creative ways to stand out and, and to be successful. What made it work for you? What created the foundation of what is now the coaching business?
1: Ah, you know, I'm a big believer in see a need, fill a need. There are a lot of people putting content out, doing things, teaching classes, whatever the case may be, where there isn't really a need for that content or for that information. And to if, we'll, if we're willing to get back into the way back machine here, when I first started in the mortgage business, there was this, and I still believe there is this belief that in order to be successful in mortgages, you have to have real estate agents in your pocket. And I do think referral partner relationships are important, but I think relationship is the key in that terminology. So I figured I would go and see what other mortgage professionals were teaching to real estate agents that they... Where the end product, the result was that they believed it was having real estate agents gravitate towards them in the interest of having buyers referred to them, to the mortgage people. And don't get me wrong, I think that that's an important piece of the puzzle still. But personally, I want to be involved when the psychological triggers that lead to the buying and refinancing of homes are made, not at that late stage in the game. If a real estate agent's referring business to me, then that decision's already been made. These people are buying a house. I want to be involved in the process earlier than that. But back to the lecture at hand, I decided I would go and look at these classes that other mortgage professionals were teaching to real estate agents. And the content was atrocious. Uh, there was one where a mortgage originator was teaching real estate agents, how to read a real estate appraisal, which is only done in the mortgage process. It doesn't have anything to do with the real estate process. Real estate agents don't need to know. They don't care. What a waste of time and content. The next one was something about teaching real estate agents about all these latest and greatest mortgage products. And again, not in their wheelhouse. They don't need to know. They don't care. So in the interest of seeing a need and filling a need, the things that real estate agents really did want to hear is how to get more buyers and sellers, how to do more lead gen, how to get more clients, more business, more closings, more money, bada bing, bada boom. So I started putting together some coursework with a combination of things that I had learned over the years, namely, and bear in mind, this is pre-social media and pre-voicemail campaign and pre-text campaign, all of the things that we do work on now, but I basically created a class on what was titled Zero Cost Marketing for a Repeat and Referral Business, which you had mentioned, and it was basically strictly about contact database and contact management, how to build that audience, how to stay in front of them so on and so forth and a lot of that content credit where credits due, was taught to me by a former colleague a real estate agent who last i had heard was working for hud for housing and urban development and he actually taught it to me in a three ring binder so he had this giant binder that had four, like we had in high school and he had had four sections in it and the first section was a calendar day-to-day and then the following three sections were three categories of people that should be in your contact database clients leads and advocates Anybody that's done business with you, anybody that's getting ready to do business with you, or anybody that could refer business to you, clients, leads, and advocates. And we're still really big on that concept. And you would go to the fir- to a page in the first section, the calendar for that day, and it- there were a dozen three-digit numbers, 113 and 201 and 385. And each one of those numbers corresponded to a page in the latter three sections of this three-ring binder, And if you flip to it, it was somebody's contact page, their contact information and notes that he had taken from the previous conversations with those people. So he could review the notes real quickly and then he would just call, hey, how are you? How's your mom? Because his notes said the last time that he called this person, his mom had fallen and broken her hip. Something to that effect. And then he would reschedule another follow up call, item 201 or Uh, client 201 or lead, I guess, at that point, if they're in the second section, and he would put their 201 number into the next available slot in the first section of the book. Well, we digitized all of that, brought it into a CRM. Any CRM will suffice. I still use Outlook as mine. There are a few plugins, but you don't need a fancy CRM to do all of this work. You can
0: do it in a spreadsheet if you really need to. Yeah,
1: you can. Yeah. I, I would shoot you. If you come to me and we've had coaching clients that have come to us with their contact database, no better than a spreadsheet and the contacts in their phone. It happens uh, even in it's better than age.
0: It's better than not tracking.
1: It's better than not having it. It's better than not using it. Please use it. Whatever it is you have, use it. The, right? The best CRM is the one you'll use. Yeah. Um, so that kind of formed this class on how to generate more leads. And it got this incredible traction and we started further developing the content and eventually wrote the book. And I started getting a lot of blowback from the mortgage community about why aren't you teaching this to mortgage originators? And I couldn't really come up with a reason for that other than the fact that I was teaching classes to real estate agents locally in my market on how to generate leads with the idea that I might see some of those leads. And that was really the motivation. So it kind of blossomed from there and we started teaching loan originators and we came up with formal content and the uh, the podcast, which is now at the end of its fifth year, already booked well into the seventh year.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: You and Jen have been trying to get you onto the show, I'm guessing. (laughs) Yeah. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And now all of a sudden I've got this, you know, decade long practice of coaching originators and real estate agents. For the most part, there are a few others on outer lying industries. But, yeah, it's been really great. A lot of fun. And I love, love the work.
0: Well, and I think that there's a couple little tidbits in there I want to pull out. One, just from like, I would say anecdotes of your journey that people out there should realize. But then there's a couple little like sales things in there I want to pick on as just a form of educating our friends out there. Yeah. One is it like this wasn't this wasn't, oh, I'm going to go be a mortgage originator so that I can then go be a, a sales coach to mortgage originators. This was building experience that all of a sudden culminated and kind of had you like you arrived at this conclusion and opportunity to create this very unique niche business, two, here we go, getting into the sales stuff, solve a problem that you had discovered. So when you brought up that idea that there's a lot of content out there that's just content for content's sake, or uh, people trying to find a problem for the solution that they want to go and put out into the world, like that isn't really a solid business model. If you turn it around and figure out, I see a problem. Here's a solution to it. Things go really well. And that's how this kind of all took off for you. But even just from a sales fundamental, I think looking at how do I solve someone's problem is a really good foundation.
1: And this is a plague in my business. And I still do originate mortgages and I own a brokerage and have for 18 years. And in the real estate business as well, people get into these lines of work thinking things like, It's going to be easy. I'm going to make a lot of money. My schedule is going to be flexible, whatever the case may be. And then when we talk about the businesses, the schools, the educators that are giving out the required training for mortgage originators and real estate agents. Well, they don't want people to know what the actual job is because that would derail their model. If everybody getting into real estate knew that this was a sales job, that it was a lead gen job, that it was going to require hard, full-time effort and then some for years, if you want to get to a certain point. And I had a client ask me years ago, you know, what's the one thing you would tell someone to get where you're at? And I just said, work hard for 20 years. There's no secret. Um, It's not like that. But again, it would derail the mortgage school model, the real estate school model, if people really knew that it was a sales job, a lead gen job, and that, yes, you may know how to price out a mortgage. Yes, you may know how to negotiate a real estate contract, but it does not matter if you don't have anybody to do that for. If you don't know how to get buyers and sellers or buyers and homeowners that are refinancing, then you don't need any of those skills. So, yeah, there was and still is this huge need where there is an enormous gap in the training for a new loan originator, the training for a new real estate agent, because they're not being told what the actual job is. and They're not getting any training for what the actual job is.
0: It's almost the way it's marketed isn't fair to what the job is. It would be like going and interviewing to be an administrative assistant when really you're going to go be a CFO in, in real time or reverse And then not necessarily connecting the dots. And I have, from a career perspective, I have a a lot of respect for what real estate agents do and mortgage lenders do because we went through buying our own house as a business owner with a 28-day close in May of 2022, right? So in this crazy market, we went through this experience. And I, A, have a respect, like a newfound respect for that, but I have always told people who They think that they can just go be a realtor is how I look at it. And you don't just go be a realtor. It is an entrepreneurial endeavor that really requires focus and and routine. And that's where the CRM piece. I love how you speak about kind of using your database, um, because that to me is where the CRM piece comes back in. And the second point I wanted to bring up. Perfect way to bring it home, Angie. Well done. Is people buy from people they Fill in, Adam.
1: <laughs> Boy, talk about putting me on the spot. I put
0: you on the spot. <laughs> they what? That they know, like, and trust.
1: Uh, yeah, still, yeah. Yeah, we're talking as old as Zig Ziglar.
0: Am I allowed to fail the sales guy on that one? Anyway. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And you okay, should. Okay, cool. But, well, you strike an important point here because the general belief is that there is one lead per month for every hundred people in your contact database if you're working it properly and obviously a lot of people come to us that have either experienced a failure or want to experiment with buying leads rather than generating leads and we have had coaching clients that will work a lead to death if they're if it's given to them but they will not do what it takes to generate leads, to build that know, like, and trust, mm-hmm. to take the necessary steps, to talk to people, to do video work, to do podcast work, so on and so forth, so that they can really carve out a big chunk of that know, like, and trust workload before they have to really start doing it.
0: And you can make yourself, your life so much easier. So here we go. Sales 101. And these are going to be very obvious Questions, but it is sales 101. So that's what happens at 101 level, guys. It is like I almost want to just put out there why is zero cost marketing and lead generation important?
1: Oh, wow. For a thousand reasons. One, I think the sales cycle part of it is a big deal. If you are doing your own lead gen work rather than buying leads, rather than uh, picking up every new shiny object that somebody's trying to sell you along the way, then You're having more fun. You're interacting with people that you know, that know you, or people that have gravitated towards you because of your video work, your social media work, whatever. They have similar interests. You're organically repelling the people that don't like you anyway, so you'll never even know. It's fantastic. And from a sales cycle process, and certainly true for loan originators and real estate agents, if they already have a degree of know, like, and trust, and you can further fill that into a point where you're establishing in such a greater degree than you would with cold calling or buying leads, or whatever the case may be, then even better than having that degree of know, like, and trust, they are going to know, like, and trust, trust your process. So when I pick up a mortgage client and they already feel they know, like, and trust me, they're going to trust my process. So when my team tells them, hey, I need this document from you. They just say, okay. Right? Humans are funny animals. We're the only species that asks why. Right? I tell my dog to come here. The dog doesn't ask why. The dog just comes. Humans ask why, and we're really weird about it. So if you don't have that degree of no like and trust in your, Process. You don't already have it established. When it comes to your process, people are going to ask why. They're not just going to say, yeah, here's my pay stub. Yeah, here's my bank statement. Yeah, here's my earnest money check. Whatever the case may be, they're going to just trust it, which makes your transaction cycle better. It makes it easier on your team. I mean, there are so many things that... Are going to benefit from doing lead generation, from actually generating your own leads to doing this in a no cost manner, a repeat and referral business manner than you could ever expect to get from anything else.
0: Well, and it makes so I started all this off with saying it makes your life easier. And the reason I think is because of everything you just said When you are dealing with leads who already have a level of know, like, and trust because they either came out of a list that they got nurtured or they come through a referral who already knows, likes, and trusts you, there's already a foundation and almost an existing relationship there. You know, we talk about kind of cold, lukewarm, warm leads. If if it's already, you know, if there's already a lukewarm level there, your sales cycle is not as hard and your conversion rates will go up. So you're Way actually up. spending less time selling clients because there's already a foundation and, and a no and I, I kind of know you a rapport there. Sure. And the other thing I'll throw out here is know your numbers in these situations. So you know, I know if a lead comes from a refer another client, I know my conversion rate on those calls, and it's like stupid, like eighty five percent. I didn't have to spend a dime and I only had to spend probably 22 minutes on that sales call versus if we've got like a lead generation service directory that's like a pay per lead. I have to educate those people on the services I provide. I have to educate them on me. And then I get to the sales conversation. So there's bar- like it adds levels of uh, there's barriers there that come out of the process. If you really focus on building this referral network and then nurturing the network that you've built and the contact database that you've grown.
1: Absolutely, There is nothing better in any sales line of work, any lead gen line of work than having a strict repeat and referral business. And this is. What we well, this is what we want everybody to experience. we hope our the goal we, we strive for for every one of our clients is to eventually have a strict repeat and referral business that you can walk away from while it still pays you
0: oh that's really the end
1: goal everybody yeah, out there really just the got, got real
0: big eyes. Tell me more about that. <laughs>
1: Well, one of the big modules in our program and we talk about in the book and certainly on our uh, podcast and on our uh, video blog is team structure. How do you build up a sales team? How do you build up an operations team? How do you eventually get to a point where not only can you step away while the business still pays you, but in reality, if you step back in and intervene, you're probably going to screw it all up. That's the goal. Now, not everybody wants that goal. And I have uh, colleagues, real estate agents that are 80 years old and still out there putting signs in the yard because they love the work. They don't want to step away from it. But if you do, if you want to eventually build a repeat and referral business that you can walk away from while it still pays you, it's possible. And it's not rocket science. It's just a matter of knowing the techniques, knowing the tactics, and bit by bit, bite by bite, implementing. But it is doable.
0: And it's a process. That's a really important thing here that you brought up a few minutes ago that it took you 20 years. Well, maybe not 20, but it took many years to get to the point of coaching and then the coaching established. And then it takes time. And if you think you're going to all of a sudden build something really fast, you probably didn't set up a good foundation. So you also have to kind of like trust a process. Yep. And we, we and actually you know, repeat
1: it. It's a process. It's a process. It's a process. And the we regularly say it is a marathon, not a sprint. It is a career, not a job.
0: I tell people all that. I say that all the time, at least even in job searching. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And, you know, even in in our business at, at CareerBenders, you know, we've been in the move from growth to scaling process for like a year and a half or two. And I sometimes want to tear my eyes out because we're not there yet. And the thing is, that isn't something you necessarily arrive at, but you kind of do turn a corner. But it's like the process has never happen as fast as we want them to. But you have to trust that you'll get the outcome if you have a routine and you work at it and you take some sort of methodical approach to doing the things.
1: All right. Well, let me ask you this then, because that corner to turn that you You defined, you said it yourself, is one of the biggest psychological hangups that our coaching clients have. We can teach all the lead gen content, the contact management, the social media, the video, the tech, on and on. And then when we turn the corner to actual team structure work, there are a lot of people that have a psychological block. And I'm, I'm not innocent of this myself, which is why I'm putting you on the spot. I had a hard time letting go of the work. Nobody can do it as well as I can, right? That kind of mentality. Well, if they can do it 80% as well as you can, let them. That kind of thing. So is your corner a psychological block? Are you struggling to let go of the work? Is it something you still hang on to this mentality where you can do it better than anybody? So you're just going to keep doing it.
0: Hey, I'm going to get some free coaching from Adam. So no, this is a very good point because the, that the solopreneur to have a business that makes you money when you're not working pivot, I think is the hardest shift a business tends to make. Um, And a lot of it is because the psychological component of the solopreneur and the product or the IP that goes into the services and if you had asked me that question a year and a half or two ago, I'd have sat here like a deer in the headlights, not wanting to not not wanting to answer it on a uh, recorded live broadcast, if that's a thing. I think that there's some there is definitely some legitimacy to the psychological component um, that we've definitely been able to shift on shift away from because we do have we do have another coach on on the team now that just came on a couple months ago and it's working really really well. And I think there's a difference between I'll take anybody and and the idea of like, I'm willing to bring this person into the team because I feel that they can support brand aligned services delivered in their own way. And that that was definitely kind of a shift. And now it's just kind of building from there. Interestingly enough, one of our big challenges is and actually you might resonate with this because what what you do as a mortgage originator is a very individualized process. Shifting from or do we want to shift from being very well known for boutique one on one coaching services and turning that into a mass model or a product? We haven't we haven't unlocked that Pandora's box yet to figure out how to shift. And that's hard.
1: It is hard. I have a colleague that has attempted it in a few different ways, and it has resulted in a lot of resistance, some failure. It is very, very difficult. I think we've found a really good way to do it at just the tips. We segment the content. So obviously, when we're working on social media, for example, we work on Facebook, which I Sing with. And Jen, who you know really well, one of my other coaches, she's really great at Insta and TikTok. And David, who you've also met, uh, an older guy, does a lot of B2B type of work because of his niche, does our LinkedIn stuff. Well, when we can't get you to do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. But I do want to give this anecdote because, right, we sell with stories and this is a big piece of the puzzle. But years and years ago, I had already developed a technique for capturing how do I put this for having a much higher success rate with meeting with real estate agents. And this is years ago. And obviously meeting with real estate agents, developing relationships, that's part of the referral partner relationship is a big piece of the puzzle. And I had somebody fall into this trap at that. I, which is what I refer to it. And he agreed to meet me for uh, a cup of coffee or whatever the case may be. And when we got to talking, he Turned the tables on me without me even knowing it. He got me talking about my businesses instead of me asking him about his. And when I was done explaining what goes on at the core finance group, that's my mortgage company. And at Just the Tips, he sat back for a moment and said, well, you don't have a business. You have a job. And I, you know, probably gave him a tilt head puppy dog look like, what are you talking about?
0: There's definitely some people out here who just went, oh.
1: Oh, yeah. And everybody needs to hear this. No question. It was one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever got or one of the greatest uh, anecdotes I ever got. It says, well, what happens if you don't get up every day and make those phone calls and do your social media work? Spend that time in the box. Do your lead gen. What happens? I said, well. It would dwindle off over a few years and eventually the business goes away if I'm not staying out in front of people. That's it. If you don't get up every morning and go to your job, you don't have a business. You have got to figure out if you really want to have a business, a true business, something that pays you after you walk away from it. You've got to figure out how to have people doing the job so that you can have a business. And that's really how all of the team structure modules in our coaching program were born.
0: So I have I've said this before that I've created a really nice job for myself and there's a lot of truth to it. The best the best summary statement I've ever gotten on what you just said was uh, we have a really good friend who's an SAT, ACT prep tutor. And he's done this for like 20 years and he's amazing at it. And like a year or two ago, he looked at me and he said, Angie, I got to figure out something different because I basically have decided I'm a taxi driver. That fare is either on or the fare is either either off yeah. And that's really what we're talking about is how do you leave the fare on when you aren't behind the wheel?
1: Yeah. Sleepy type money. How do you make money while you're in while you're in bed while you're sleeping?
0: Yeah. Or people call it passive income, whatever it is. And I think that the newsflash here is everybody out there. We're all kind of in sales, no matter what you do. And uh, this is relevant in some way, shape or form, kind of no matter what form of business you're in to start thinking, how do I create? Uh, a stronger network that's going to produce more sales that then supports the idea of like levels of people executing the products so that I don't have to be the one providing all the service.
1: Seriously. And there are a lot of industries out there. I don't know that mortgages and real estate are one of them. Coaching may very well be what you do may very well be. And I know that there are a lot of shifts into Recording content and selling it on a class by class type of basis, an hour by hour type of basis, a subscription form, learn in your own time, those sorts of things. Um, obviously, what you and I do is very hands on. We really have to know the people that we're working with. We really have to help mold our program for them on an individual basis and help mold them to what they want to be. So that's hard, but there are a lot of people out there that would have an opportunity to do that.
0: Absolutely. And so let's get into you like tips. I like tips. Love tips. Let's give some tips on how how do we act take all of these like Let's say Adam and Angie's theory on how to be good at sales lead gen and nurturing your database. Like, okay, we've we've beat the why you should do it dead horse. Now yeah. let's kind of get how, like, how? Let's give some tips. So let's say somebody's out there listening, and I don't know if they're just trying to get started or have better uh like organic lead generation. Um, they're trying to convert their first few sales, they're trying to stand out in a crowded space, whatever the pain point is around this topic, like. How do they get started? What are your three best tips for them?
1: All right. Well, one, audience is king, right? Um, If you don't have an audience, if you don't have contact information, if you don't have people to receive your phone calls, your text campaigns, your voicemail campaigns, your email campaigns, whatever the case may be, then... Nobody's getting your message. Nobody's consuming your content. So I would say tip number one is understand that from today, through the remainder of your career, building your audience, building your contact database, collecting uh, names, numbers, email addresses. I do recommend Ryan Steumann's book, Kick-Ass, Take Names, Numbers, and Email Addresses. But building that audience has got to be priority number one. You've got to have people to hear your content. Now, don't get me wrong. That's not just your CRM database. Do know that Facebook is a CRM. LinkedIn is a CRM. Insta, Twitter, TikTok. These are all viable CRMs. I've got a great colleague who does some amazing mortgage work in a very specified space uh, with the uh, VA, with uh, veterans uh, mortgages, um, who told me once that Facebook is his favorite CRM.
0: Oh, that's a huge. Oh, that's huge. Because I actually I said that about LinkedIn and it was and you're the one that connected the dots on that for me at the Mile High Mastermind when Adam spoke and I spoke right after him. And he he talked a lot about the same things we're talking about today, about have have a database, work it, routinely work it, consistently work it build, no like and trust. And, it, and as I as I then got up there to tell a whole bunch of mortgage brokers and, and real estate agents why they needed to be on LinkedIn. How's that for try, trying to sell a crowd? It occurred to me that basically LinkedIn is a giant database that you can both mine and use to nurture, no like and trust. And this Facebook and Instagram are similar.
1: Well, and if done properly, I think LinkedIn's better mostly because, I and you have to work at it, Facebook has a limit. You can only have 5,000 Facebook friends. It's a finite audience. Now, we do teach a lot of uh, techniques to make sure it is the perfect 5,000 people, how to eliminate people from your audience and add new ones, so on and so forth. But LinkedIn's virtually limitless. I mean, it does have a limit, but I have over 15,000 LinkedIn connections, but only 5,000 Facebook friends.
0: I could go on a really long diatribe about, Leveraging the power of LinkedIn. And you know it because I've heard, you've it, heard it a couple of times. Exactly. Yeah. But I think in general, it's really it's framing, reframing how you look of all this stuff, because I don't I also don't think of LinkedIn as a social media channel. It's a social networking channel slash database. And you could look at all these other things the same way. And it, it kind of goes back to why are you doing the things and what do you want to get out of it? Be the human who asks why, so that you know the purpose of something and so that you can be intentional about the effort that you're putting into it and the expectations you have coming out of it as well.
1: Well, and one of the techniques I now use and teach on building that perfect LinkedIn audience came from you. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. It was. Not the mastermind. It was social media day. Oh yeah. And where we, uh, where Jen and I, uh, or Jen had it, you and I come and speak at that event. That was where we met. Cause that's where I won your hat. I was looking yes. for it today, but it's in my regular office. I was going to wear it, but um, in any case, yeah, I learned a really great technique about narrowing down the types of people that I would want in my LinkedIn audience. So as I'm working my, technique of adding to my LinkedIn audience, I am making sure that it is a much more refined group of people that are really going to hear my message, that are going to consume my content rather than a more randomized audience.
0: Yeah. And they're going to engage with it and they're going to engage with it in the right way. So as we get into, I don't even know where we are in the tip number that we're trying to get to, but that was about
1: 30. So who knows? Yeah.
0: And I figured that's what would happen. But to summarize, we've got this idea of Use the resources that you have in really thoughtful, intentional ways. Build the audience. I, always t- I tell people this in job searching. Build the network that you need. Don't just use the network that you have. And I think that's what goes into like creating an audience on these platforms who's going to perpetuate more engagement with the audience that you want kind of a thing. So let's say let's two. What's another third tip on like how does somebody execute a new lead gen strategy?
1: Okay. Good question. And there are a lot of them. And a lot of our clients use some that I would never do myself. Like I would say door knocking. If you're a real estate agent, that's not something that I would ever do. I would rather commit that same time and effort to doing some good video work. Now I'm reaching thousands of people instead of maybe dozens or hundreds. Okay. But anecdotally, we had a client. He says, I'm going to do door knocking. Okay. Great. I will never judge you for how you do your legion. As long as you do the work, not something I would do, but go for it. I'm going to do four hours every Saturday. He says rock and roll. After a month, he calls me and says, well, that didn't work. And I was like, come on. You did four hours, four days, 16 hours. That's like one work day in the life of a new real estate agent. Tell me it sucked. Tell me you hated doing it, but don't tell me it didn't work. If you did four hours every Saturday for a year, that would work. So if you're going to adopt a lead gen technique, whatever it is, be constant, be consistent and give it enough time to really determine whether or not it is going to work.
0: It kind of goes back to your advice on the best CRM is the one you'll use. The best the best lead gen elements are the ones that you will do and do consistently.
1: Yep, yeah. I would say the the four words we use most often in our entire program is constancy, consistency, transparency. That's a really, really big one, and authenticity.
0: Auth- the transparency authenticity piece, I think, is huge and always has been to support the no like and trust theme that we're talking about. But I think it's become even more important and more needed now that. The, the negative side of social media has taken taken hold. And we see a lot of like keeping up appearances and and, you know, falsities. I think that people really crave
1: realness. Yeah, that's a big part of it. No question. But let's not pull any punches here, Angie. Since birth, you and I have been somebody's target audience and we're sick of it. TV, newspaper, magazine, all the way up through social media, Amazon, whatever it is. We've been somebody's target audience since birth, and it is old. We are worn down from it. People don't want that.
0: Especially now that they're cycling us back through the same target audience because they're trying to hit Gen Xers with everything we knew from childhood.
1: (laughs) The true story. Yep.
0: (laughs) Give it a break. I don't need full house five. Please, please don't take that as an idea out there. Anybody. Oh, good Lord. I think we're only yes. on two and it should just stay that way. Right. Yeah. But that's but a good a- point.
1: Attract your audience by being authentic and transparent. It's a really cool twofold system. You will attract people that already have a degree of no like, and trust. If you want to do campaigns about your pets, rock and roll. You're going to attract people that have and like pets. If you are doing that and there are people that don't like animals, fine. You're going to organically repel them without even knowing. And you don't want to work with them anyway.
0: And who trusts people that don't like animals?
1: Yeah, right. We have a client who's a vegan and she is uncomfortable marketing or lead generating inside of vegan restaurants, vegan grocery stores, so on and so forth. And I said, you're not going to get any business from the National Cattlemen's Association. Run with your tribe. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I also particularly love this because there may be a picture of the taco cat taking up my entire desk this morning on LinkedIn <laughs> because it just seemed like the best thing to post and people freaking apparently love cats. So know know your audience and speak to them in authentic ways that resonate is a great tip.
1: Yeah. Know who you want in your audience. Yes. If you're a vegan, you know a cattleman in your audience.
0: Know your niche. Yeah. I feel like that's a broken record in sales, but it, but nobody listens to it.
1: Well, but a lot of these things are broken records in sales, Angie. And the reason that it sounds like a broken record is because it still works.
0: Yeah. Cliches are true, are usually true for a reason, everybody. Yeah, right. So, uh, we are in what I am going to affectionately call the practical advice segment of this No More Monday show. And I think that because you have a book called Just the Tips, which is literally, it's a tip a day, right? It is.
1: Yep, it is. It's a toilet book. Read it in any order you want. It is 365 quick sales and life hack type of tips. Uh, In fact, the subtitle is 365 sales and life hacks to get you through your year.
0: There it is. So the practical advice segment has just turned into the shameless plug segment, where I would also like you to tell us about your podcast,
1: ah, the podcast, How I Met Your Mortgage. Uh, we start as a video cast, kind of like what you and I are doing here before we strip out the audio track for the podcast. It is on Apple and Spotify, and there's a third. And Jen is going to kill me for not remembering what the other uh, platform is. But it airs live on Mondays at 1030 Mountain Time. We do uh, in the morning. We do about 40 or 45 episodes a year, barring a few holidays, that kind of thing. Uh, We are just wrapping up season five. We have one more episode. We are booked well into season seven 2024. And credit where credit's due, Jen, our marketing director, is a rock star. You already know this. And she is getting some ridiculous 900 or 9,000% increase every month on listenership. I don't know what the magic is. But again, same kind of thing. We did the podcast for years and had negligible listenership. And now all of a sudden, because you keep going, you keep going. Now it is I can't even fathom what the numbers are now, but it is this enormous viewership and listenership because we just kept going,
0: kept going. There's another piece of advice I needed to hear that because podcasting is this is it's a lot of work. It's to do of all of this. I didn't realize you guys did it live. Now I understand why it's booked out so far, but that's also really cool. It makes me very nervous. And Jim is sitting on the other side of the thing going, oh, thank God she doesn't want to do this live. However, the big message there is seven years, once a week, every Monday morning, is a, that's a big commitment. And now it's paying off. You trusted the process.
1: Yeah, trust the process. Yeah, we've got... Well over 200 episodes in the can. We probably are reaching or breaching 300 that are booked. And yeah, trust the process. And again, I cannot emphasize it enough because we've already talked about it. So I won't beat that dead horse. But having good people, having a great team is such a big difference.
0: And as you're getting into what we talked about earlier, that like scaling pivot, you you really have to start stop moving. You have to stop trying to do it all yourself. And even if you can't transfer client facing or direct revenue generating activities right away, you can get your back end support. So, you know, even before I had another coach, we had uh, an admin, we have marketer, you know, like the anything that you can take off your plate and start to entrust with somebody will create the time you need to then go find and train the people who can be in front of uh, of the clients and then the process of the the repeatable, I don't have to have my fare on uh business generation begins there we go we brought it all home and tied it all together somehow across this random but focused conversation i think we're pretty awesome adam
1: i think we did a good job Angie.
0: and before uh before i ask the last question as we wind things down you know this is a show about making mondays better and maybe even combating sunday scaries so what is your word for monday and how you approach mondays
1: I like Mondays, but one of the things I learned years and years ago from one of my coaches is part of the problem that you're describing, the psychological glitch that makes us despise Mondays as a society is because we work a Monday to Friday kind of thing. And on Saturday, you're spending that day decompressing from the work. And on Sunday, you're winding back up for the work and you never really have a day off. Stop working on Fridays use Friday to decompress, actually have Saturday off Sunday. You can still wind back up and I like getting back to work.
0: The, the countries that are championing the four day work week are brilliant. And and when I stopped seeing clients on Fridays, it made a huge difference to my overall kind of energy level and psychology because it was now I'm not trying to shove everything into two days or, or only having that like almost one free day because on Sunday you're kind of trying to ramp back up. That is a fantastic piece of advice is to give yourself space to breathe.
1: Well, and you've got personal business to tend to. And there are businesses that are only open Monday to Friday.
0: I got a lot of skiing to do.
1: (laughs) Excellent. Perfect.
0: That's what Fridays are for in my world. But that's a really, really great piece of advice. Um, And we're going to get one more pearl of wisdom for you before we go. But before we get it. Tell everybody how they kind of tune into you and your genius and find all the things and follow along in your journey.
1: That yeah, the easiest to find all the things is our text code. Text TIPS, T-I-P-S, to 63566. 63566?
0: Six, six, six. You got it. Good thing, I'm a, good thing I'm a numbers person. If you're driving, please pull over and text TIPS to 63566.
1: <laughs> that would be best. Or do it at a later time. <laughs>
0: Or do it at a later time when you listen to this podcast for a second time. Ha! <laughs> so, uh, all right, let's get your gold nugget. What is your number one piece of advice for everybody out there trying to get one step closer to professional satisfaction?
1: I think one of the biggest pieces of my personal success, which kind of entwines all of this, the contact management, the social media time in the box, the video work, the podcast work on and on is your time blocking. Use your calendar, use your damn calendar and respect it and honor it. Stop with the task lists. Stop with the sticky notes. If you want to get something done, put it in your calendar, makes a time to do it and it will get done. But honor and respect your calendar.
0: I think the name of this episode is going to be use your damn calendar. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good, and it's and to me, that goes into the routine piece that can be so significant to trusting the process and doing the things that are going to perpetuate the process and get you, you know, further to success. There's a reason that after seven years or after five years, every Monday morning, 1030 has been blocked into your calendar. And look what that's done for you.
1: Yes. If you ask me what I'm doing from 9 a.m. to 905 on March 15th of 2023, I can tell you.
0: Uh, My color, my calendar is color coded. In that way, so uh, wow, I highly, fancy. highly, highly recommend this thing. So I know that if it's like green, it's a client because that made me money. I know if it's red, it's a sales call and it could make me money. I know if it's gray, it's networking. Right, so you can also visually get an idea of how you're spending your time and your and your routine as you block everything in as well. How's that for an enhanced last tip? Brilliant! I love it, Adam P. Smith. You can tune into all of his amazing tips. If you text tips to six, three, five, six, six. Nailed it. I did not write that down. Dad, the math teacher is real proud of me for that one right now. i Betty bet he <laughs> I remembered, is. I remembered a five digit number for seven minutes. Woohoo! Everybody out there. Thank you so much for tuning into the madness in our heads. There is some good. There are definitely some good nuggets in here amongst uh, some ramblings and some inside jokes. But hey, what else would make a good podcast? So, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show, being part of the No More Mondays movement and being an awesome part of the sales and coaching community.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Until next time, everybody, thank you for listening. We always love to talking to, talking to people who have carved out successful careers themselves and in this case are helping others do the same. So excellent advice out here. I hope you took some notes. I hope you text Adam's uh, hotline and get on his list. And in the meantime, uh, you can grab all the links and the details from today's episode at nomormondays.info. And if you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star rating because there is nobody better than Angie and Adam. And it's a huge help as we podcasters continue to do what we do and inspire people to reach their potential. If you want to leave us comments, feedback, guest suggestions, or again, grab the show notes, visit us at nomoremondays.info. And I'll see you next week for another episode on Wednesday. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your professional life and find career satisfaction. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info for all the details, show notes, and recommendations from this episode. No More Mondays, we drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com.